0: Great to have you with us uh, this afternoon, as Naomi said, uh, well, done for through, uh, the of uh, well done for battling through the busyness of Christmas, well done for battling through the COVID uh, moment. Uh, I, I don't know how you felt when, you, um, when we first, when we put the video on, but we had a, a picture, I think we've got it actually for you, uh, a picture of a baby. I don't know what you thought when uh, the opening lines of our carol service was, uh, just one more push, <laughs> you've got a baby, a- and, and saw that. I-, I-, I don't know what you thought. I think when we were practicing, uh, we put it on and we didn't have the sound and it looked even more of a stark image uh, of this baby. Um, but I want to talk to you about the, the simple fact that, that, that Christmas is a birth story. Uh, nativity means birth. I know we think nativity means that everybody gets to dress up as a snowflake or a donkey or whatever, and we get to fight. Uh, the kids get to fight about who gets to be Mary and Joseph. But nativity actually means a birth story. So it's, it's a real birth with a real woman breathing and pushing through the agonizing pain of childbirth, the labour to joy. Who we've all been through that. Who's actually been through that as a mother? Just wave at me. So a few of you, <laughs> some of you quite recently. Uh, and here we have, we have a teenager called Mary literally risking death uh, because in the first century about one in 15 women died in childbirth and she's literally pushing through pain and suffering and the chance of death for the joy of new life. And I think we've lost sight of the fact that Christmas is a birth story. Uh, it's been obscured, uh, as Naomi Wilson's song I Need a Silent Night said. It's been obscured by all the, the shopping and the busyness. It's been obscured by the, the presents and the tinsel and the Christmas lights. And I, I love those things. You know, I, I love all those things. So don't hear that I'm I'm saying we should strip that out. That, that, that's become part of our Christmas through the kind of Victorians and through culture That's become part of our Christmas. But the reality, we've often lost sight of the baby. And in one sense, the, the baby and the, 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 the birth and the presents and tinsel represent two parts of Christmas, but they also represent two competing stories, um, two competing narratives about how to fix the broken world, how to bring light into the darkness, as we've heard in the, the reading from John, as we've heard in, the, in our readings, how to bring light into the darkness, how to, to fix a world of COVID, how to fix a world of, of, of pain and death. I was talking to a lady just, just as she arrived and she said she'd, just even the last month, just COVID has impacted her family. How do we fix a broken world? And those two stories, perhaps the the birth story and the the Christmas tree and the tinsel, represent two competing stories. Kevin Bacon, who's uh, more famous these days for actually advertising EE than he is for acting in films. In fact, he was in an article in The Independent saying, no one remembers the films I do, they just remember I um, advertise EE. He said this, I really believe that all of us have a lot of darkness in our soul. Anger, rage, fear. And he said, I don't think that's only reserved for people who have horrible upbringings. I think it really exists and is part of the human condition. And I think in the course of your life, you figure out ways to deal with that brokenness. And perhaps our two competing stories have got two different ways to deal with that brokenness. I don't know if anybody has ever said to you, cheer up, it's Christmas. Cheer up, it's Christmas. You know, that what we'll do is we'll have a, a, a few weeks, we're hoping, panicking, that, that nothing's going to happen, that Boris isn't going to jump on the TV and tell us we can't. But we're hoping that, that we're going to have that little bit of Christmas where we're going to have uh, some presents and, and, and some food and we're going to consume and we're going to fill our house filled with stuff and, and, and that's going to kind of make us feel better. And I understand the kind of the the thing in the middle of winter. I mean, I really struggle when the clocks go back and think, "Oh, it's getting dark." Uh, And I can really understand the kind of uh, to have those kind of fun things. But in one sense, what we can do is we can just be denying the darkness, optimistically saying, "Cheer up, it's Christmas." And um, and I think Christmas trees are a a kind of a picture of this this story that that who's got who does real trees still less and less of us. Well done for doing a real tree. They are getting quite pricey now. But you bring this tree into your house and, and you dress it up with, uh, with uh, candles and you put presents underneath. But all the time, there's a, your, your vacuum cleaner is telling you a story, isn't it? <laughs> it's telling you the story that this little tree this, that looks lovely and green and beautiful actually is slowly dying. And by the end of Christmas, you know, it's this bare stick and it's almost a kind of metaphor for for what we like to do with our Christmas. We like to have this moment where I think everything's fine, cheer up it's Christmas, it's fine, presents, consumption, food, as if all those things are going to make it right, but by the end of Christmas it's all thrown out. And however much we deny it, that story fades to black. Guardian columnist Giles Fraser, sorry to quote The Guardian if you've got different politics, but the says, there's a difference between optimism, he wrote that this week, there's a difference between optimism and hope. Optimism is generally fueled by denial, a refusal, he says, to face the darkness. It's a kind of holiday from reality. Hope, on the other hand, dwells in the darkness, yet refuses to be beaten to it. And your Christmas could be just a holiday from reality. But I think there's another story, and you would expect me to say that—that that actually, that Christmas is a birth story. Uh, Gloria Furman, in this little book that I bought this week when I was thinking I need inspiration, uh, it's called Labour. It's spelled the American way, without a U. Uh, but you—if you've had—if you've been through labour, you know that you is in labour. You're in labour. Labour with hope, by Gloria Furman. Uh, she's American who lives in the Middle East. Uh, really interesting book it's a book about it's called meditations on pregnancy childbirth and motherhood when I showed Naomi I was reading that she goes really (laughs) I'm trying to get in touch with uh, with that side but yes so we're going to try and think well I'm a bloke what do I know I don't but every birth story she says is is a story of hope starts off with hope but there's there's darkness there's waiting there's enduring pain there's tears, there's blood, there's joy, there's new life and new names. And every birth story is re- unique. Uh, I'm going to indulge myself now and talk quickly through our birth stories. Uh, uh, Naomi can talk you through in more detail if you want to grab her in the mulled wine afterwards. But our first, my memory from, the, uh, from our first uh, uh, child, Zach, is that, that Naomi's doing super well. I think she's on gas and air. She said, please don't make her look more than a hero of the years, but we all know what a hero she is. Uh, so, she's on gas and air, and I'm, I'm singing and praying next to her, and she basically turns around to me and says, Howard, will you shut up? <laughs> so, I realized that my, even my very small part that happened many months ago, that was going to be it. You know, I wasn't going to really do anything. Uh, I remember our middle one, it was Jotham, who's a week late, and, um, and Naomi being Naomi, said, yeah, let's go to the Bible week. It's the middle of August. Let's go to the Bible week with 10,000 people that's happening that week. And so nine months pregnant and sleeping on an airbed, Naomi sets off to this, um, to this Bible week. And um, I remember the afternoon before Jotham was born, Naomi's sitting in the tent and she's with all the mums sharing birth stories. Uh, and I don't know, mums, if you've ever done that, obviously we don't get to play in that world, uh, but if you're a mum, have, you have you ever sat and just said, oh, let's share our birth stories, but we're sharing birth stories, and then our doctor was part of the church we were part of at the time, and we went and I, we knew he was on site, so we knew it was safe, and we kind of knocked on his caravan uh, at 3am in the morning, and his wife came to the door, and she, we knew her really well, she was like a friend, but she was almost acted like the, 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 the doctor's secretary. Uh, Nick will be with you shortly. <laughs> he was like, okay. And we got in the car, and we drove to Warwick Hospital uh, with, our, um, with Naomi in the middle of labour. And I think the reality is conservative estimates. Uh, he, he took about 45 minutes. It was pretty quick. <laughs> it was pretty quick. And Jotham's middle name is, is Warwick because he was born in Warwick Hospital. And if you know your history, Warwick is a kingmaker. And the last one, Damaris, our daughter, who got married this summer... Uh, she was uh, born in Lewisham in southeast southeast London and she, to the sound of worship songs. Uh, we uh, had two midwives who were from Jamaica, two brilliant ladies from, from Lewisham Hospital. They're from Jamaica. And um, uh, we put on, she said, put on some music. So we put on some music. And I put on the the then worship music from the time, Uh, I think the song was called, Come Now is the Time to Worship. And these two ladies obviously went to a Pentecostal church because they were like, the two midwives were like going for it. Naomi's there, she's pushing through. And we're like, yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. But every story is unique. Every story is unique. And Jesus' birth story starts a long time before before the beginning. Uh, It it, it starts in in that moment, the promise of Jesus' birth starts in that moment after humanity decided we don't really want a birth story, we don't really want God to be part of our story, we don't really want God to be part of our world, Uh, we can do without him, thank you. And in that moment, uh, we've talked about this over uh, over the last few weeks, in that moment the world cracked and, uh, and into the world came darkness and evil, and death but there's a promise there was a promise really early on a promise of a child born from a woman who would make the world new who through pain and suffering would crush evil however every woman said the promise would feel pain in childbirth that sculpture by the way just while we're doing a bit of family indulgence. That sculpture, by the way, is, is carved by my sister, Deb Harrison, and, and she's a sculptress, so check her out, Deb Harrison. She's absolutely amazing. So that, that, that's called Fetus, uh, and it's carved by my sister. I said, oh, send me that picture. Gloria Furman says this. Why does human childbirth hurt so much? She says that her, her husband... Uh, was walking around the kitchen one time in bare feet in pajamas and stood on a Lego brick. And he joked, he joked to Gloria, I know how childbirth feels. <laughs> uh, Gloria says in her book, it didn't go down very well. <laughs> She's got three kids. Why does childbirth hurt so much, says Gloria Furman. She says there's more going on than biological processes and mechanics. A mother's pain, she says, is a profound pronouncement that we live in a world of pain. And that new life comes through pain. And we need a deliverer who will save us and bring us new life. We heard that as Sophie sang and the band led us. We, we need a rescuer, someone to bring freedom, someone to bring us new life. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I haven't time to develop it, but I think the pain, that why, why is it in there? Why did, at the beginning did, did, did God say that there'd be pain in childbirth? Because I think ultimately it's a, a small picture of God's pain in bringing us to new life. And we'll come back to that in a moment. The promise of the Saviour is whispered again and again through those who are waiting, those who've heard God's voice. Emmanuel uh, seven 14, that's been quoted a lot in this. The Lord will give him a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth. It's a birth story to a son and you'll call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the and increase their joy. There's always joy with birth. There's pain and darkness and joy. For to us a child is born, a son is given. Imagine the moment then when after centuries of waiting an angel comes to Mary and says this. The waiting's over. Hope has a name. Mary, you're favoured. God is with you. You'll conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be the, he'll be great, the son of the most high, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asks a great question. How will this be? Said Mary asked the angel, since I'm still a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so you'll the holy one be born of you called the Son of God. Imagine being Mary. You're sort of engaged to the, You're engaged to this guy, Joseph, and you say, I'm pregnant. But don't worry, it's God's baby. We're just going to let that roll, don't we? We're just going to let that roll that actually, yeah, oh yeah, it's God's baby. Yeah, that happens all the time, fine. No, to- nothing, nothing to see here, that's fine. It's obviously God's baby. Imagine how Joseph felt. He felt the betrayal, perhaps, Felt, what's Mary been doing? Perhaps the shame that Mary felt. Perhaps Mary's going to be abandoned as a as a young teenager with no one. And we had, and we had it read to us. God appears to Joseph and says, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She gave birth to a son, and you to give him the name Jesus." Because he will save his people from their sins, at least joseph and mary didn 't need to make lists of names of girls and boys. We, we used to make lists of names of girls and boys, and we one time made that mistake that we actually told somebody naomi told somebody what, what our top girl name was wasn 't it and you told her and then a, and, and that lady was pregnant, and then she chose that name. man, it was bad. I remember Naomi and her sister were both pregnant at one time, and they were they, they, we both got the same name, Silas. And they were up, this big kerfuffle breaks out upstairs and they come down crying and shouting and they said, I chose Silas, no, I chose Silas, I chose Silas. And Naomi's dad said, well, the one whose baby is born first can have the name Silas. Thankfully, uh, we had Damaris and Bex had Silas. But they didn't have to worry about making names. But what did they think about? Maybe they thought about what does it mean, Emmanuel, God with us? What does it mean to call him Jesus? Emmanuel tells us who he is. Jesus tells us what he'll do. God saves his people from our sins. I wonder if Mary, feeling the pressure of of people's opinion of the pointing fingers and the wagging tongues, I wonder if she thought about the women in her story. This was going to be the whole talk, but I'll just give you the headlines. The story of Tamar, whose first husband died. There's a story of Rahab, an exploited woman, an outsider. There's a story of Ruth, the widowed foreigner, who through poverty and pain finds a loving redeemer. There's Bathsheba, whose husband Uriah was murdered by the king so David could take her as his wife. And Mary probably felt at home with those women who'd been part of the story. Sam Albury tweeted just this week, the family Jesus came from reflects the family he came for. The Gospel mentions... The gospel mentions lots of men, but it just mentions five women. They knew the broken world, they knew tears and exploitation and rejection and grief and pain and death. And the reason why is because Jesus came for people like that, who know the dark world, people like us. So, Joseph travels 90 miles with Mary to, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, would have taken about five days. We don't know how long Mary's labor was. We don't think about it, do we? This was a day time before gas and air before epidurals before cesarean sections. This 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 woman's in an in a outhouse with the cattle having a baby. We don't think about the pain. We don't think about the challenge. We don't think of Joseph was pacing the floor and praying and Mary said, oh, Joseph, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, God with us, God infleshed in humanity with the accompanying gush of amniotic fluid and blood attached to an umbilical cord and placenta, The light entered the dark world. The angels sang and we sing joy to the world. But this birth story doesn't end at Christmas. The way Jesus saves us is like a birth story. Through hope, through darkness, through waiting, through enduring, through pain and tears and blood, Jesus brings joy and new life. Those who heard the message of Jesus thought he brought hope to the world, but yet the world decided in the darkness of its human heart, to crucify him. Jesus is in the darkness, bloodied and breathless, enduring the pain, dare I say, like a mother in labour, pushing through for the joy of a new beginning, of new life, of a broken world. Although I don't know the pain of labour, None of us know the pain that it cost, that it cost Jesus. A mother's labour pain is just a shadow of God's pain. Jesus didn't stand on a Lego brick with a bare foot. There on the cross, carrying the sin and darkness of the broken world, Jesus dies in childbirth. He dies giving birth to new humanity. Jesus' body is laid in the darkness of a womb like On the morning of the first day of the week, while well, it was still dawn, while the, well, it was still dark, the dawn is breaking into the darkness. It's, there's not a word wasted in that uh, story. Three women, three women come. If you were making this story up, you'd have had three influential men in Jewish culture, but no, three women come. And they're the unsuspecting midwives of a new birth. They went to the tomb and they found the tomb empty, and the angels, like at Christmas, with great joy, declaring he's risen. Gloria Furman writes Death and darkness could not hold Jesus in that bright in the bright light of that first Easter morning. Jesus walked out of the tomb, the firstborn of a new creation. Jesus took the tomb and turned it into a womb for the new humanity. need the band to come back now. The Christmas story is a birth story. But Jesus intends that to be our story. Woman or man, Jesus intends the birth story to be our story. He meets a wealthy, influential, religious man called Nicodemus and he says to him, what? You must be born again. You must be born again. At, all, at Christmas, it's all too easy to turn in optimism to the wrong story. To deny the reality of our lives, to forget the labour pains of a world groaning for the joy of new life, believing that presents and lights and Santa and food's going to make it right. Jesus calls, uh, calls us to enter His story, push through the pain, to leave the darkness. the womb, the tomb of our broken lives. To be born anew. To live a light of life and joy. Christmas is a birth story. It's the stories of Jesus come to earth. It's the story of death and resurrection. But it can be your story. Your story doesn't need to end with fade to black. Cheer up, it's Christmas. It can end with joy to the world. The Lord has come. We're going to sing a song. It says, you have come to bring peace, to be love, to be nearer to us. You have come to bring life, to be light, to shine brighter in us. You have come to take sin, to bear shame, to conquer the grave. Oh, Emmanuel, God with us, our Deliverer, our Saviour. Jesus, I pray, each of us here, that we would live that story. Die to self. We're born in you people of hope. God with us. His people. Amen. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk